Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Nick shares his path from the University of Chicago to working at Piper Jaffray in healthcare M&A out of the New York office. Learn how he was able to transition from a summer analyst role in ECM to M&A with a risky move, why he left after two years to start not one, but two companies, and why he followed his sister's advice to go straight into venture capital. Enjoy. All right, Nick, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. So it'd be awesome if you could just uh, give the listeners a quick summary of your bio. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, grew up in New York City. I went to a French high school, French immersion school um, in town. And then I went to the University of Chicago where I studied jurisprudence, which is essentially, I guess, like the theory of law at its most basic. Um, And that was interesting, but I kind of knew I wanted to get into business. Eventually, I went into investment banking. I was an analyst for two years at Piper Jaffray on the healthcare team in New York City. And I think most of the people in my analyst class and, and the people I knew went to private equity, but that never really, never really fully piqued my interest. Um, so while I was in banking, I actually started a, a rosé importing company. And then after banking, I started a healthcare company, bounced around with those two for a year. Um, and then about, I would say, four, four months ago, I started recruiting heavily for, for VC positions, and I landed with Alpha Venture Partners back in December of 19 and I've been there for two weeks now or two months now. Yeah. So congrats on the new move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got so one is still fresh. Yeah. So your, your path is kind of interesting. The reason I wanted to chat with you is because, well, number one, you kind of had a very non-traditional major and kind of didn't, <laughs> it, right. if, if I had seen that, I wouldn't have been like, Oh, this guy's going banking. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the recruiting there. Um, and then also just your startup stuff was interesting. So I'd love to just dig into that, but let's, let's start back in at, college. Yeah. So you're U Chicago, right? Yeah. I was at U Chicago. Um, so, but like what's so, this, you know, philosophy minor. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then so when, it's, did, it's, when did finance or business kind of interest you or were you always interested in it? Hundred percent. So it's it's a traditional like liberal arts school. So keep in mind everything's theoretical there. Um, I think like I did go to school, and a lot of my friends were econ majors, and a lot of those people are obviously went into finance. Um, there was definitely sort of a little bit of the people who I was around were certainly gravitating towards finance. Um, the person who ran the major uh, law letters in society, which what it used to be called, and it's like I said, kind of like a pre-law almost. Yeah. I, I sat down with him 
kind of my junior year. Um, you know, legal internships aren't that important, kind of your freshman and sophomore year. So I kind of was just doing business stuff and just doing stuff to like be in the city and hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with him and I was just like, listen, like, what do you think? Should I be going into law? And he was like, listen, you know, law is a great, it's a great vocation, but if you're not passionate about it, the money's not really there. And he just got the sense that I was like not as passionate about it. And he was like, listen, you should look for something that you're more interested in. And I talked to him about like maybe doing a JD MBA and positioning myself for that. And he said, I've taught a lot of JD MBA students and every single one has been more interested in the MBA classes than the JD classes. So if you're already positioning yourself that way, you might be more, more of a fit for, for kind of business. And, and that's kind of when I started really going for, um, internships in banking for my junior year. And then, you know, I, I liked, I wouldn't say I loved banking, but I liked kind of the exit opportunities. And the fact of the matter is, you know, if I had chosen to go into law after banking, there was, there was a, an avenue for me to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't study for the LSAT, but that's the thing about banking is that it really doesn't close any doors. So that was also a draw. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think, so that was a pretty pivotal conversation, it sounds like. Yeah, it certainly was. It certainly was. You really respected this person. How did you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He so he is. How did you find? How do you? How do you say to the listeners like? How do you find that person? Because that's like that changed your whole course of your life. (laughs) Right, right. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. And I do think back to that conversation. I do think maybe I should have been more. But no, he's essentially the guy who he was. He was running this program at U Chicago, which was like 20 20 students. Uh, Mm -hmm. You had to apply for it. and I, and I don't necessarily think, I mean, obviously he had stature and gravitas, but I think it could be any type of professor that you, um, you, you kind of respect. And, and I think along the way, everyone's trying to, you know, kind of making it up as they go and talking to someone who um, doesn't necessarily have, um, you know, you could talk to your parents and your sister, but everyone has their own kind of path that they have in their own heads for you. Um, so it's better to talk to someone who's a little bit more removed and says, you know what, we'd like, let's talk about this kind of objectively and, uh, let's see, let's see what, what, what shakes out of the conversation. That's and fair. that's kind of how, yeah, how I approached it, I think. And so you kind of changed paths your, what, did you feel like you were late and was this junior, early junior year or was this sophomore, late sophomore year? So junior year, junior internships, this must have been sophomore. This must have been this must have been either late sophomore or beginning of junior year. But I know they've pushed the junior year recruiting earlier. Recruiting way earlier. So so yeah. So sorry about that. If there's any listeners, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, basically, if you had if this was you, if this was you this year, you would have been too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I I think maybe maybe what had prompted that conversation was me being like everyone's gearing up for this like recruiting cycle right. like okay fair enough like it's time you know it's, it's time, time to, to make, make a decision. decision yeah make some decisions that are important yeah. for potentially after exactly I, after i graduate so at least you knew that at least you had friends that kind of could guide you or at least give mm-hmm. you a heads up so you started kind of what just dropping your resume did you have a low hit rate given your law kind of legal thing i guess you well, had some business <laughs> internships on your you know, yeah i had some i would say I'm trying to think about how it went down. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable because it was so much further. The cycle was so much further back then that I think that I didn't have I had like an AOL internship and like a digital marketing internship 
yeah. like my freshman year and sophomore year, which, you know, don't mean much. And then I guess the AOL internship was interesting. So it was on the business development side. Um, and then I was able to get an externship over the Christmas holiday at a fund of funds, which was very random, kind of just like dropping a resume here, there, knowing someone who knew someone as a partner and then they would just be like, yeah, we can take you on for free externship. And then once I got that, even this, that name or that week, it kind of just like filled out my, um, my story for, yeah, for so, banking. So, so, it, so but that was before I, the drops, the resume drops. So that was, I got Piper on the second go around of interviews. Mm-hmm. So it was certainly like, it, I certainly, it was like certainly after the first drops, the yeah. first drops, I didn't get many. And then the second drops, or I guess the, the later people, like I did get, I did go far with Credit Suisse and Piper um, and Lazard. So there's certainly, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, this was like five years ago. So I'm like uh, parsing fine. it together as I go. <laughs> um, but there were certainly still firms interviewing, but I remember quite like vividly being like, my, my resume doesn't have the link between AOL and banking and I need to find it. Yeah, and that's, so and you said a friend of a friend kind of knew somebody and you were networking. Was this like yeah. LinkedIn or just talking to people and scrambling? Through talk, through talking to people and scrambling. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it does help that I grew up in New York City. So yeah, you know, um, New York. Yeah, you're you're around a lot of New Yorkers. Are your, is your family in finance at all? Or are they all entrepreneurs? Yeah, they are in finance. finance. Yes. So there you go. That helps too. So that helps. Um, yeah. so, so you got so you got that that week internship, which was kind of key because then it just was like mm-hmm. it was that check mark, right? And yeah, I think that that's the that's the takeaway. It's not like phone your, you know, your dad's friends to find out if you can get an externship with them. It's literally right. like you need to craft just to get into these banking and finance. You need to craft a story. Well, you just get the interview to get the first your ex- interview. Yeah. To get the interview yeah. with your experiences. Like, and even if you do get the interview, it's tough to make the jump between like, Oh, it's in business development. Like I, if I remember correctly, the story was like, I was in business development at AOL and I heard people talking about, you know, Alibaba going public and Yahoo at the time had a minority investment in Alibaba. So like crafted this whole story about how that conversation got me really interested in finance, but people were like not super buying it. And then yeah. when you talk about how like, but that experience at AOL made me really look for, you know, going into you know, finance and I got another internship and then blah, 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 blah. It led me to want to go into banking. You know, it's like, it's like anything, I think, even when you're looking for any type of job, even beyond banking, everyone's just looking for a linear story. And even though sometimes it can get, that's like a little unfair to people, Um, Mm -hmm. but everyone's looking for you to be someone who's like calculated and to show that every decision you know what you want. Exactly. Every decision that you've made has led you to the point where <laughs> you are interviewing for this job, right? And like you've made no dream. mistakes around the line. Yeah. This is you've your made no mistakes from, along the line, which is like ridiculous, but that's what they want to hear. Because they can demand that because there's enough yeah. that want it. Exactly. And they want to make sure that you don't come in and jump and leave, you know, six months in after they've trained you. Exactly. So they want to make sure you know how painful the job is too. Yeah, they want to make sure you, you know how painful it is. They want to make sure that you're someone you're ready. Who, who really wants it because yeah. like there are also a ton of kids who are like, oh shit, all my friends are going into banking. Like I need to get on this train too. Like what am I going to do? Like it's mm-hmm. a prestigious job. You make a lot of money mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, I want to get on that train. And I think that that's what they're trying to avoid. Kind of people who are just, 
Um, I feel like it's kind of unfair. I mean, I that was kind of me to be honest. Yeah. Oh, oh it was a hundred percent me too. <laughs> and like, I was a good analyst and I stuck around for two yeah. years. So, um, a hundred percent. That was like, me. How was a 19 year old supposed to know? That's what, that's what's tough. Mm. I'm mentoring these other kids, uh, through the monkey to millions program. I don't know if you've heard of it. I did this other pod where I, I mentored oh, truly. these kids. I don't know. And, and like this one girl, she's, she's like 18. She's just started at Fordham and she's like, <laughs> she's she's yeah. like yeah i want to do banking I'm like okay like that's great because you have a lot great. Of, you have time and you're going to be set up and she already has like an internship freshman summer 100 percent. i i remember like talking to my sister my sister's four years older than me yeah um and i remember talking to her and being like everyone's always told me you're so young you don't need to know what you want to do and then like going through these interviews and i was like everyone who's getting these jobs are people who've known they wanted to do banking since day one at U Chicago. And I was like, that was a lie. <laughs> like, that was a lie, Camille. Yeah, the, oh, like, you don't need to figure it out. Yeah, that was yeah, 20, you don't need that was 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's true, you don't need to figure it out and you can still, like, you can find what you want, but it's a big, big benefit if you know early. Yeah. Big benefit. It's, it's bad advice, it, whether it's yeah. at the career center or from your parents, if they're telling you, don't worry about it. You know, you'll try lots of different things and yeah, see what yeah. you like. Like this isn't, this isn't, uh, I was talking to a guy today who had a master's in management in Europe. It's, it's interesting because they go right after undergrad and they have this huge gap year in the middle to do all these mm-hmm. internships, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Cause then you're, then you're like 22, 23, and then you're kind of, you still have like one or two internships where you can figure it out. Right, right, right. No, Whereas, I, I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad advice, but it's more like, why not just sit down and talk someone through the options that they have rather than just be like, you can figure it out and make mistakes. No, like this is what banking does and leads to. This is what being a lot, you know, going into law is like, you know, and so when did you not- figure that out? Like, this is what banking leads to like the exit ops and stuff. Did you, you came across wall street away. and you're like, Oh, this is my <laughs> that's, <Mecca>. right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> no. Um, I think, I think I had the benefit of a support group in college where, you know, I was, I was a part of a fraternity where is your, you, you said had, your parents are in finance. Is it like corp debt, corp fin? Banking, my, my, my dad was, um, my dad was in banking and then moved into direct investing private equity. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was in, um, corp finance for a pharmaceutical company. Cool. Um, okay. but her side of the family are all lawyers. And then my sister went into like product management, um, for, uh, she works at Instacart now, but she was at oh, Sears cool. and stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. So you're, it sounds like you have a pretty kind of educated and an eclectic family who like is pretty yeah. successful. <laughs> yeah. Extremely ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's good. So you kind of had that pushing you you're like, yeah, it expects you to do something with your life. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know it, that gene might've missed me, but <laughs> that I certainly, I certainly benefit from it. Cool. So you um you kind of start the interview the second go around you're kind of getting a little bit further along you have more legit story getting far along you got what super day is at credit suisse and then you ended up getting obviously getting the, the internship offer at, at piper right mm-hmm. so that was was that for the same division in like that was for healthcare in new york or do you have no just generalist summer so that summer internship offer was for generalists they don't place you right Okay. Um, and essentially what I ended up becoming was, uh, equity capital markets for the healthcare and consumer team in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I pretty 
pretty soon when you get into banking, you realize that depending on what you want to do, you want to, to kind of move yourself towards where the, the most deal flow is, and in particular, the M&A deal flow. Um, and Piper is, it is um, there are no, I, I think it's, you know, there are industry teams, so there's no like, coverage teams. So M&A is all done in-house. So I, I really wanted to get on the healthcare team. And luckily, there are some great people at Piper who kind of helped me uh, along the way, and they helped me transition over to the healthcare team. And that so was, can you tell me a little bit about like that transition? So like at the end of the internship were you, or during the internship, were you kind of like just networking aggressively with all the MA? A little bit. Yeah, exactly. I and, think like I, I made it clear that I wasn't going to accept a return if it wasn't for um, a coverage team that wasn't, you know, cause ECM, I guess ECM is a coverage team and that's the only kind of, or like a product team. I think that's what they call it. Like a product team. Mm-hmm. And there's ECM and DCM, and then there's just industry teams. And I was like, I want to be on the industry team. Um, the industry team being healthcare specifically, and healthcare, they have, because they have M and A in there within that. Yeah, exactly. They have healthcare. They had healthcare. They had Fig, and they had tech, but they're moving their tech team to Boston, I believe. Um, yeah. And I was pretty much like, I, I want to be on the healthcare team. And that's where I did a lot of my networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I left the summer, being like, who knows? We'll see. Like maybe some of the interns won't um, accept their offers. Oh, so it was, it was pretty aggressive. It was pretty aggressive of you. You were willing to kind of come back to school with no offer after yeah. your junior summer. Yeah. And because why, what gave you that confidence? You felt like you could, you could basically. I felt like I could. Yeah. I felt like I could find something. I felt like I could find something. And you know, what's really funny is the intern that didn't accept the healthcare offer mm-hmm. whose job I ended up taking yeah. helped me get, or introduced me to the VC firm that I'm working for right now. <laughs> is, is he or she there? Is he or she there? He, no, he's not. He works for a different VC firm. It's just healthcare. random. It's just random. And he and I reached out to him because we stayed, you know, we stayed connected. And, yeah. we, and he realized that, you know, I take. He went straight into kind of the um, working for small startups to work his way into venture. And I went took. I mean, I took his spot at the healthcare team. And then he, I reached out to him because I knew he was in venture and then he, he put me in touch with the place that I work now. So that's awesome. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about who you know. Uh, and I just put that together on this podcast, which is really funny. I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. So tell true. me, so, so you're, you're going for a couple of years at, at Piper in the healthcare group doing M&A. Were you, was a lot yeah. of deal flow, a lot of pitching? What was the balance? How was it? A lot of deal flow. Not, not much pitching. Um, I think the way the way Piper New York did a lot of their M&A was um, a lot of P to P and it was um, kind of the two MDs who ran that little branch within the healthcare team were very efficient and they had a very good re- uh, relationship with a lot of private equity groups. Mm-hmm. So they didn't do much pitching. Um, deal flow was, 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 was certainly there. You get a lot of experience, mm-hmm. um, a lot of experience working with private equity groups. Yeah. So during this time, you co-founded a business. So during, yeah. your, during your 100-hour weeks or 90-hour weeks, right. just founded a business. Yeah. But, but tell me a yeah. little bit about first, um, so w- what were the hours like? Was it, was it really tough or was it? Uh... Yeah, the hours, the hours were, I mean, it's like, it's, uh, what do they, they say? It's peaks and valleys, right? That's yeah. what they always say. So peaks and valleys. And in the valleys, you know, you're sitting at your desk, you're not doing much. Um, and, and the worst thing about the valleys is that, you're still at the desk. 
one, you're still at the desk, and on the off chance you do get out early, you don't really – one, you're not keeping up with your friends, so you don't really have, like – it's not like you have, like, tons of plans lined up in case you can get out early, um, which is something that took me some time to get adjusted to, but you just don't have that. Um, and essentially, I had two extremely close friends of mine from high school who were also kind of just like, let's do something more fun um, than what we're currently doing. Um, and you get kind of, you know, you get one, I took one week off of my two years of banking mm-hmm. and, um, and I spent, took that week to kind of look for rosé wine to bring to New York. So that's what we did. And it was just kind of, it started as a way to fill the downtime at the desk and then it turned into, you know, why not? Let's give this a try. It could be fun. And so tell me a little bit about that. What, what prompted that? Uh, Hey, New York needs more rosé. Um, it was more, are you a Gary? Like, v, are you a Gary V disciple? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it was more, um, it was like, I want to do something fun with my friends. We, we grew up in New York city. We know quite a few people in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like, we like to go to restaurants. We like to drink, you know, this is something that could be fun. My, our, all three of our parents are very into to wine. Yep. Uh, we started with a lot of different, we started with an idea for cognac because we're, we're all French um, and mm-hmm. cognac is like made in France and we thought maybe we could do this. Mm-hmm. We also looked into sake because we like sake and we like <laughs> Japanese culture. So we're like, why not? And it kind of culminated into like spending one night every weekend just trying lots of different alcohols and like being like, we could import this, we could import this, which was kind of, which was like very fun. Great way to yeah. spend some time. Um, and then we just came to the conclusion, you know what, rosé is really hot. Um, I bet you we can find a good rosé um, at a good price that we can bring to New York um, mm-hmm. and kind of under undercut the competition. And uh, that's what we did. And it's still going. So Nice. So how did yeah. that work in terms of like uh, the sending it in, like with all the time? Did Was one person kind of doing it full time? No. So it ended up six months and- before... Six months before I left Piper was when we um, kind of started to put together like when we needed to start doing sales and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And pretty much at that time, we could, the two other guys could duck out of work. I think like banking is one of the only places where you can't kind of just like duck out for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. um, to get a coffee or something. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there are some jobs where you're changing the US nine to five, but. Yeah, they weren't. So they were able to just take some meetings and, and, and get us going for, for those first six months. Nice. And so you kind of knew this is what you wanted to do. This was like kind of getting set up in your last six months there. Any thoughts in the recruiting for going straight for venture at that point? Or was this, this kind of, that was the idea always, Hey, VC is kind of where I want to go. Or I think that VC was, it was certainly always an option. Um, I kind of, I kind of was, I was pretty burned out after two years of banking and I kind of was just like, I had got a nice bonus and I started as a business and I was like, we'll see, you know, what happens. But for now I'm just going to like, I'm just going to like kind of enjoy remove myself. Yeah. Remove myself from like the rat race, so to speak um, for a little bit and, and, and figure it out. And I think I always, they're always in the back of your mind is like, you know, I think, I think even pretty early in banking, I realized that VC was where I wanted to go. My, my, my roommate, my first year or my second year left into park city to join a VC. And I always knew it was kind of where I'd like to be positioned in the future. 
Why? So, did, why? What? What attracted you to it? Um, you don't have to give I, me the. You don't have to give me the interview answer. You can give me the real answer. Yeah. No. It, it, <laughs> they're 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 one of the same. Actually, interestingly, but yeah. you know, I, I think at Piper you deal with a lot of like health like healthy cash flow companies um, that private equity groups are looking to lever up and you know to sell and they're looking to cut costs and some people were excited by that or they were at least excited by you know how much money these private equity groups are making yeah. um, and I kind of gravitated more towards you know technology or th things that were actually making a difference um, you know, not, not not even like a difference on, the, on like a global scale, but just like things that were disruptive, right? Or mm -hmm. or or thought provoking. Whereas middle market healthcare is not is not thought provoking. It's very much like fitting within the existing healthcare model and thriving in it, which is great. And and a lot of people are really excited by you know the opportunity that there is in you know replicating something that's already done, but doing it, tweaking it a bit, and doing it better. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of liked, you know, VC and, and, and kind of early stage companies and the way they were really disrupting. And, and the thing about middle market healthcare is really what they make their difference on is kind of being more focused regionally and taking market share from big players. Um, so it. that's like the dialysis space and, and, you know, we can go on and on about that. <laughs> but, um, but that was just never, it never really piqued my interest. And, and I thought, you know what, why not do something that's a little more um, intellectually stimulating, at least for well, me. And then in terms of the the day-to-day, -day, obviously, you're doing a lot of deals. Coming from liberal arts college, was it like really hard, the financial modeling aspect, the, the, like the first six months when you started there? Yeah, I think that the... the the learning Sorry, curve I'm was I'm, I'm going backwards a little bit. I just want to... Yeah, no, no, no worries. Trying yeah. no to jump around. Um, I think I was surprised when, especially in training, you're sitting next to someone who went to, you know, professional school and did LBOs, you know, for, you know, half of the year already. And you're just like, whoa. And like, you know, that, I'm sure that would have been, it would have been very useful for me just from the beginning. But at the end of the day, it's not that, you know, as long as you can kind of conceptualize it, that's, that's, I think the most important part, yeah. you know, understanding what's happening conceptually rather than just like, being mechanical about it. I think for your personal growth, being understood, you know, being able to conceptualize it is important, but for being, you know, investment banking monkey, you know, who's changed the desk, probably being mechanical about it is better. <laughs> but that was definitely the, that was like, that was very apparent to me for sure. In the first six months, like, Oh, these kids have been doing this for yeah, same a with long me. time. Same with yeah. me. It was, it was a struggle. I didn't have an internship even in banking. Yeah. So like, I, I was thrown into the fire and that was a rude awakening, but I survived. Um, right. So, okay. So this wine business, so you six months going, you kind of get your, get your second bonus and you resign the next day or what you tell them, Hey, that's it. And I'm out. Or, cause they, they had asked me if I was interested in staying on for a third year and I, I pretty much told them, told them I wasn't going yeah. to, um, their Piper, Piper was pretty good about that. They, they want people to kind of, stay on for for the two years and they're happy you know they're happy to support you if you don't um yeah. there are even some analysts who who kind of stayed on for I, I guess this was a very specific case but they just stayed on for a few months after uh their contract was up because they hadn't found a job and they're like well listen like you know we're yeah. happy to still have the help around um 
yeah. you know, while you recruit, where you know there's there's not going to be a bonus attached this year. Sit on stay on forever, um, yeah. but you know we're happy to pay your base until you get something. Cool. Or they had set like a kind of a line in the sand for him, like you can stay for three more months. So nice. they're they're yeah, they were nice about it. They're yeah, nice about it. it was different. Maybe it's changed a little bit when I was back. You know, way back in my days, this is like oh two to oh four. I had to do everything right. like secrecy, all my private equity yeah. recruiting, and it was. I think most stressful. banks most banks are like that, but we're. Uh, Piper Jaffrey's Minnesota nice. They're they're a Minnesota based bank, so yeah. And they certainly there are certainly elements that are like that. No, I know a lot of a lot of my friends had to do everything still. Um, and then once they got their offers, they to, to, they were kicked out. But um, but no, even a lot of the analysts go to Piper clients almost like P groups that we work with or they work with a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's almost an, it's an open secret. Oh, he got this job, you know. Like RMD is talking to. Yeah the partner at that PE firm, you know, next week, they're going to bring that. He's going to know, you know, so like yeah. it's better for them to know than for them to, you know, find out. Totally. So, okay. Back to the wine business a little bit. So yeah. were you guys able to scale it successfully? What is it? Is it kind so, of so, a run rate status quo now? And you're just having somebody operate it, manage it. So the wine, the wine business is still going. Um, it's all three of us are doing it part time. Um, you know, we're, Trump tariffs and all that, like we're not looking to um, aggressively expand it. It was always kind of, we, pretty early on, we realized that it was going to take a really long time to like grow a brand and to grow, like it was never going to be, we were never going to have enough money to throw at it to be able to really attack the market. So it, it transitioned into, you know, let's, let's keep, let's growing this like little by little, let's keep this going. This is always going to be something that's fun. That's like cool to have. And so you're kind of wine. What, reinvesting profits and back into the. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And, and in that, and in that time I pretty much realized um, just to like transition to what I did after I got approached from someone who um, I went to high school with and we, um, we kind of worked on commercializing an idea that he had had through a nonprofit of his, which was a diabetes, it's like a software for diabetes patient management, which is what I spent the bulk of, of, of that next year doing and working on. And so, so what, is that, that's still going as well? It's called Careport? That, it's called Careport. That is, there was a pilot agreement reached in Massachusetts um, to run it. And it was, you know, the development cycle was probably about two to three years um, to collect the data. Yeah. So at that time, I pretty much um, kind of there was discussions of going after grant applications and stuff like that, and because it was an idea that was birthed out of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So once those discussions started to kind of materialize, I, I took a step away, um, and uh, <clears throat> and I think the the pilot offer is still there. Uh, I still speak to the other co-founders, mm-hmm. um, one one of which is a good friend of mine. Um, but it's kind of tabled, I think, for now. Before you know, everyone's kind of re re um, rethinking about it. I would say and pivoted and whatnot. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about so while you were kind of figuring out on this startup, because a lot of people think, oh, if I go do a startup, it doesn't work out. I'm done. Mm-hmm. As you're kind of realizing, hey, this is going to be a ridiculously long cycle, and the wine business isn't going to take off and be like this yeah. huge thing. Tell me how you kind of went about thinking of your kind of your your venture recruiting so it's interesting um and this this might be helpful too that's so late in the podcast no one's gonna stick around this late no. <laughs> that, no no essentially my sister my sister so my sister was 
she's she's a Stanford Stanford MBA. She works in Instacart, like very ambitious, like great, great, great influence in my life. And she, I was applying for other startups through different models, and I was like, I want to get into venture, Camille. How, like and this is gonna help me get there and she was just like what are you talking about she was like go apply to venture right now and like i had gotten final round with this, this consulting firm that did a lot of work with venture capital and so you're trying to go like, about it like a, and a i was direct. like yeah exactly i was like oh if i go into this consulting firm then i can get a job in venture capital my sister was like you're not a consultant like don't go into consulting what are you doing what are you thinking go straight into venture like people hire you know it might take a long time and it might take longer than this job that you have in hand or like that you're in a final round, but people hire kids like you with your background. So don't be afraid. And, and I think that I find that a lot of my friends kind of do, they, they do kind of put these jobs on a pedestal and they're like, I'm not ready to be an investor. Or I'm not ready to be X, Y, Z. I need right. this more layer of experience or whatever. And, and it kind of is the wrong mentality. You know, you should just, um, yeah, especially as a junior person at a VC fund, it's not like you're going to be making the investment decisions. And yeah, exactly. You're going to be sourcing. You're going to be doing a lot of the the prep and, and investment. Yeah, community. learning on the job. You're doing a lot of investment committee stuff, memo. Like yeah. the decision never falls into your hands. Like you're never, you know, <laughs> press. You know, you're never pressing. You know, on the wire transfer to go through. Yeah. Um, but no, she kind of gave me a big rude awakening, and she was like, you know, believe in yourself and don't don't look for a bridge to VC. Just go straight to it. And, uh, and she was right, luckily for me. And you made it. And it's <laughs> funny because the guy that you took the job from on yeah. was the one who made the intro. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I'm getting a drink with him next week because, like, well, I, I, I did come up with that kind of bridge today on the podcast, <laughs> but I did say, you know, this guy did really help me get this job and get a drink with him. Uh, he's basically he's responsible yeah. for all of your career moves he's my guardian <laughs> angel guardian angel in my career like hey what are you gonna do next? <laughs> yeah exactly um cool. but uh no it's good it's good no and and the vc interview process was long and there were i i got very far with um i'm gonna say four firms i sent a lot of emails out obviously I got very far with four firms. Were you focusing um, on a specific vertical or anything like that, like tech or New York, pretty much. New York, just New York, and yeah, New York venture, not like fintech or anything like that. No, nothing. I mean, healthcare was obviously a plus if there was yeah. a focus on healthcare because that's kind of where where you. I, I spent a yeah, I spent a year mm -hmm. really diving into kind of the early stage world of healthcare, so I knew quite well. Um, yeah, so that was obviously a plus, but I was just you know industry agnostic looking at new york um there there are some good resources out there for vc job posting and stuff like that mm -hmm. but um i did i got pretty good you know for coming not from a bulge bracket bank um to having you know a one failed business or one you know two i guess one business on pause and one business not scaling as quickly as i would like i i did get pretty good traction i like i'd say very good traction and and i was um I was pleasantly surprised. Tell me a little though. bit about that, that networking and those interviews. So like you're in New York's just huge advantage, right? It's huge like, advantage. You're yeah. just there. Like you can go meet people anytime, anywhere. Like, I, you know, I would say that there were a couple of funds that there are a lot of funds that have offices all over the place and they have, you know, they have partners all over the place and they have like partner here, a partner there. Um, so it's beneficial to be in New York, but I would have imagined that it would have been beneficial for me to be, completely agnostic to geography because um, mm -hmm. you do spend a lot of time on the phone with these people 
Yeah. And, and regardless in a VC shop, everyone's out the door always. It's not like you, it's not like you're sitting next to someone 24 seven all the time. Right. You're spending a lot of time on the phone with the studio regardless. Um, so, so, and I was flown to San Francisco and you know, the, the problem any, with these VCs. Any sort of uh, like technical interview like stuff or like sizing and consulting-ish type interview questions? Or was it mostly if, about like, tell me about this industry, what do you know? Or Yeah, mostly mostly the latter. But I would say if you're sitting in front of a consultant, if you're sitting in front of a guy who used to be a consultant at BCG, I guarantee you he's going to ask you market sizing questions. <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> So if you find yourself, you look at the bios and you're like, okay, this guy was a consultant, he will ask you market sizing um other the other technicals is essentially talk to me about a business that you're interested in talk to me about like an interesting industry trend that you would like to watch um there's no cases sometimes they tell you to like kind of prepare to speak in depth about a company and why you think we should invest in it um anything and, that and that's pretty you? anything that surprised you just pretty standard i think it's all pretty standard i mean like it's it's funny because i you learn kind of through the interview process. And with one of the funds that I went very far with, they asked me like, okay, so if you have very little information on this company, how do you get information? Like what's the information you're looking for on an, on a website? And you know, that's something that I just had to come up with on the spot, which probably was not a great answer. You know, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was probably me fumbling through it. Um, and then, and then you like go home and you like, I think something that's really good is go home write down the questions that they ask you, especially the ones that you don't think you answered correctly. Yeah. Just, or, or in the best way possible, just so that you will have a better answer next time it's asked. And, and especially when you're bringing up these funds, these guys are all, or these, these guys and girls are all, they're all reading off of the same kind of suggested question sheet. Right. So you're probably going to get the same answer question twice from the same fund. Yeah. So it's, it's important to kind of learn from, your interviews, I would say. For sure. And if you can, ideally do some mocks with some VC pros beforehand. Yeah, do some mocks, exactly. Yeah, yeah. or at least some friends who are in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Cool, man. Anything else before we call? It's been, it's been interesting. Yeah, it's been good. Um, Anything else you'd, you'd tell your younger self, even though you're still super young, like in college? <laughs> I always um, ask that. I'm like, oh, tell? you tell your younger self, like, <laughs> keep going. They're doing great. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I I probably manage your money a little bit better. <laughs> like your save, bonus, save your, your bonus, bonus. Yeah, your bonus looks like a lot of money, but it's living in New York is it goes much faster than you it think. Does. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, um, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. I think. That's yeah. Good advice for, <laughs> there you for, go. For the younger crowd, take cool. care of your money. Make sure you yeah, save. Exactly. I know it sucks. <laughs> it does suck <laughs> to save money, but it's important. All right, Nick. Well, I appreciate cool. your time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it, Patrick. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.